Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hello, friends, and welcome to Forever 35, a podcast about all the things we do to take care of ourselves. I'm Kate Spencer. And I am Dori Shafrir. And we are not experts. We're not, but we're two friends who like to talk a lot about serums. How do you do? Friendly reminder, you can visit our website, Forever 35 Podcast, for links to everything we talk about here on the show. You can find us on Instagram at Forever 35 Podcast, and uh, there is a Forever 35 community living over on Facebook groups where the password is serums. You can also shop our favorite products at shopmy.us slash forever35. Our newsletter is at forever35podcast.com slash newsletter. You can call or text us at 781-591-0390. And you can email us at forever35podcast at gmail.com. And if you enjoy our show, we always appreciate a review or a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. Thank you very much for considering. Yeah, we don't mention that that often, but, you know, we do always appreciate it. Especially because sometimes, you know, the folks who are more inclined to leave a review are the folks who are like not into you, which I respect. Yes. But it also helps when the people who do like the show leave a review. Yes. So thank you. Totally. Thank you. Totally. Um, I'm apologies for the scratchy voice, but I have well, I have an ear infection. Ugh. Allegedly, according to the doctor, I saw it urgent care. But then it then it just kind of bloomed into its own kind of cold, head cold type thing. Ay ay ay. It's a major ay ay ay. It's so silly, but like it really knocks me on my butt, you know? Just really it's not, wipe me why out. Why is it why is it silly, Kate? Um, because I still have a lot of ingrained um capitalistic tendencies in which I poo-poo my health in order to keep working. You know, you think about yeah. how like how uh sick days are never encouraged and like how, how we used to win like perfect attendance awards at school and how we've long been taught to put aside caring for ourselves when we're sick in order to keep chugging along. So that's just all like deeply ingrained inside of me. I would just like to point out that here on Forever 35, we do encourage sick days. We do. I tried, I tried to get Kate to take a sick day on Friday. She oh, yeah, absolutely refused. So Yeah, you know, that's true. I did. We're, you were, we're you trying, were really pushing it. Yeah. We are trying to, you know, 
challenge these capitalistic structures. What's interesting, I didn't feel that bad on that day. I did not feel bad. Mm. It kicked in this weekend. Mm. Um, But also, I think it's different when you work for yourself and you have to consider the juggling of things that when a reschedule happens, I honestly, on the other end, can make things more challenging. So that was my mindset going into that conversation. I mean, look, that's fair. But I didn't I feel that bad. I, just, and then like, I guess what I'm saying is I don't want you to think that you can't take a sick day in this working no, relationship. That. Thank you. I appreciate that. I might that. have been a bit hyperbolic, but that is just my <laughs> my general point that I want to get across. In I the same way that. That, that, you know, when I was sick, I took a sick day and like it was annoying we had to move some stuff around. We had to reschedule a guest, which is never ideal. Yeah. But you couldn't, you, know, you quite physically couldn't talk. I couldn't talk. So that was a challenge when you have to record a podcast. <laughs> Nonetheless. <laughs> oh my gosh. Speaking of recording podcasts, can I tell you what my sixth grader told me? What? At school, they were Googling each other's parents. Like, just what? Yeah, and not even like her and her close friends who I would feel like who like know me and I like know my profession and what I do, but just like kids and she was like hanging with kids and they all have Chromebooks that are given through oh, their public school and they were God. just Googling people's parents. And I had a real moment of like, oh no, like why have I lived my life on the internet for the last 23 years? This like, is this is a consequence uh-oh. of living my life on the internet that I'd never thought about. Yeah. It's, it's come up before. Like our kids have Googled us, Anthony and me. And like, we've, mm. you know, and they know like what we do, but like, or like sometimes they'll be like, I read, like they'll pick up one of my books and be like, I read some of your book the other day. <laughs> like they'll do stuff like that. What? Yeah. Well, I have a, you know, it, I mean, they live in the same home that I live in and the books that I've written are on my bookshelf. Yeah. Like it's, but yeah. But then, but then I was like, oh my God, for five years, I've been creating a very intimate podcast about partially about myself that not only could my kids listen to any of their friends, any of the kids that they go to school with. And then I was like, fuck, like what if somebody uses like shit I have created to, to, to like not bully them, but just like, I don't know. I started to get really like a little bit freaked out by being an on, semi-online person as my kids are starting to come into the age when they or their peers will just be able to like search me on Instagram. Yeah. Ooh. Kind of Ooh. yikes, right? Kind yeah, of a kind yikes? Of, kind of yikes. Yeah. Yeah, it's coming for you. Not yet, but Henry's very smart. He'll probably figure it out in like a year. Oh, boy. Be like, Mama, what are what do you do to take care of yourself? <laughs> I was listening to a podcast. Mama, what but... is your favorite self-care practice? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I don't know how I got on that tangent, but just I was just kind of thinking. I mean, and I'll, it's interesting because we live in a world now where like everybody's online. Like it doesn't feel as weird, yes. I guess. Yes. Um, but I still felt like I mean str- I strangely like naked. Right. Because yeah, I mean I Google kids parents all the time. Of course. But there's something different about the child Googling the parents. 
Yes. Yeah, there is. Like there's something and even worse, like a kid who I don't even really know just Googling me totally. is strange. But but totally within their rights. Like, you know, yeah, it's on me, not sure. them. Sure. I know. Okay. I know. I'll add Food that to the thought. list of, of things to look forward to. <laughs> <laughs> things to panic about, like at two yeah. in the morning when you wake yeah. up. Yep. Yeah. Uh, yep. Yeah. That was just in my brain. Um, I also just wanted to recommend a book that I just finished today, Dory. Oh, okay. I'm listening. The title of the book is Token Black Girl. It's a memoir by Danielle Prescott. I loved it. I listened to the audiobook. And I know you as a person who has a lot of Libro FM audiobook credits, mm-hmm. uh, you're always looking for something to listen to. It was really great. It's a great memoir. Okay. Um, I think you would you would you might enjoy it because she talks specifically about working kind of in fashion and media, especially kind of mm. in some of the times that we did. Um, and it was just a really engaging, thought provoking book. So if you're looking for a new read, that is my suggestion. Just finished it. Okay, that is good to know. Thank you, Kate. Do you have any books that you're reading right now? We haven't checked in about that. So I just finished a friend's book that <gasps> Alyssa's book. I just finished Alyssa's book. Um Alyssa Sussman, everybody, author of I just wanted to get the release date. Yeah. So Alyssa Sussman, who wrote a wonderful book called Funny You Should Ask, has a new book coming out called Once More with Feeling. Great title. Mm-hmm. Comes out at the end of May, May 30th. It's a delightful rom-com. What's the trope called of like reuniting with a with a with a lot second like a chance? That's second a, chance. That's it. Yeah, I would it's say it's a second this, chance story. Yeah, and it's also a bit of like an a lovers to enemies to lovers. Yes, among other things. Totally. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, it's great. And there's like a whole musical theater. It's it takes place in the world of musical theater. A world that I am like somewhat familiar with, but not like deeply enmeshed in. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. as I said to Alyssa, there were several references that I did not that I know I didn't get, but it didn't like take away from my enjoyment of the book. Oh, interesting. But if you are a musical theater person, I think you will enjoy a lot of the references. Yes. And also, it also kind of um, does a great job of like capturing like the pop pop music of the aughts. Oh, totally. Because yes. the two main, the two love yes. interests were like former teen pop stars. Yes. Which is also really fun. Yes. Um, so I just finished that. And... Let me see if I have anything else queued up. Yeah, what's in the queue for you? What is in the queue for me? Oh, I just took Pamela Anderson's memoir out from the library. (gasps) Ooh, that's going to be a good one. Love, Pamela. Um, And I did just read a great thriller. Did I talk about this already on the pod? Everybody knows. By Jordan Harper? I don't think you did. Everybody knows. So I 
this book everybody knows by jordan harper it's it's a mystery slash thriller it's set in la and it's set in the world of like crisis pr Ooh, 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 ooh. so this is this is a world that i am quite familiar with there's a lot of like stuff about the media and pr and in particular crisis pr um with shades of like uh scandal I love it. You mean Scandal, like the TV show? Yes. Yeah, Scandal, the TV show. Um, And I really enjoyed it. It's a fast read. um, And yeah, I thought thought it was great. Good hot tip, Dory. So that is a fun, that's a fun one. And, And that's the kind of thing where like, I think... I think there are some like sort of inside baseball Hollywood mm-hmm. things because the guy who wrote it is also a TV writer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So there's some like, there's some like deep cuts that I think will go over the heads of people who are not maybe like married to a member of the writer's guild. <laughs> um, but I don't think it will like take away from your enjoyment of the book. Crisis PR sounds interesting. Yeah, I mean, it's like, it is one of those books where you're like, ooh, like, these, like, are, are these good people? Yeah. <laughs> not, not really. <laughs> um, but it's, I thought, I thought it was a, I thought it was a good read. Mm, okay. So if you're in the, if you're in the mood for a kind of fast paced LA contemporary, Set in present day LA, but has a sort of like noir ish vibe. How did you stumble into that? I think I read about it. I want to say I read about it in the time in the New York Times, like in one of their round. They they do these like periodic roundups of like new crime, um, books. I think they do them monthly. And I think I read about it there. Well, I still have yet to pick up a mystery. Wow. I know. I know. I, you know what? I just finished okay. another Ice Planet Barbarian, Ruby Dixon, Alien Romance. And then I just started a new romance called Honey and Spice. So like I, and then I finished Danielle's book. Like I, I, I clearly, I've got to make room for mystery, but I don't know how. I don't know I'm trying I, I'm trying to think of a good gateway mystery for you. And I'm wondering if it should be one that has like romance in it. I would like that. Yes, it there has to because otherwise I spend the whole book imagining if the two characters could get together. Okay. And writing okay. that book in my head. So I kind of need okay. Um, I'm going to do something and do you want, oh, this will be fun. Do you want something set in the present day? Do you want historical? I don't care. You don't care. Okay. No. All right. The sexier, the better, I will say. The sexier, sexier, the better. better. Okay. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But anytime is fine. Sexy mysteries that I've read. I mean, everybody knows is kind of sexy, but very dark. Everybody knows the one Wait, I just—that's what you just read. About. Yeah, 
there is there is a romance in it, but it's like a it's like a fucked up romance. Yeah. See, here's here's what I can't. The problem get into. with mysteries is there's not always a happy ending with the romance, I'm okay. especially. Oh, mm. oh yeah. Oh, this is tough. This is tough. Okay. Like there's a, there's clearly a resolution, but in terms of romances in mysteries, I would say it's a real crapshoot. It <laughs> is, and oftentimes, like the romantic love interest ends up being the the perpetrator, right? Like, or the like perpetrator, the perpetrator, or it's like complicated, or they die, or you know, like it's just it's not the it's it's not the happy happily ever after that I think. If you're used to reading romance, you're going to get. So I just want to oh, be boy, upfront this is, about that. Yeah, this is, oops, excuse me. This is kind of tough. Like, does this, I'm sure it does exist. I should, yeah. we should put a call out. Um, or, oh, like you an, know, or you could just dip outside your comfort zone, perhaps. Mm, I guess. Or, or you don't have to. Could someone like write me an enemies to lovers of like two warring detectives who like then have to solve crimes together and then fall in love while they're solving the crimes? That's like, does, does that, that exist? exist? Is that out there? That's a good question. I can't think of one. I mean, here's, here's the other issue. Sorry. Now we're really getting off on a tangent. That's okay. That's Is okay. so many, I would say, the vast majority of mysteries have the the detective is a deliberately very fucked up person of course so and often like have trouble forming romantic attachments <laughs> like they're often like lone wolf characters yeah yeah you know um and so therefore when they do form romantic attachments they're often doomed in some way <laughs> Well, I did watch the first epi- episode of Lydia Poet on um, Netflix, which is like an Italian show about the first woman lawyer in Italy. Ooh. And like the first scene is her having sex with somebody. So I was like, I'm here. Of course, I was watching it on a plane. So it was like slightly horrifying. <laughs> but but there's already like a foil in like her kind of like snarky journalist brother-in-law that I'm like, mm-hmm. So like that oh. show is kind of scratching the itch. And that's also historical and an Italian. So there's something. Did along you ever those lines. watch um, Bodyguard? Did you ever watch Bodyguard? <gasps> no, but I heard it's good. Okay, it's good. There is a romance in it. It's dark though. <laughs> okay, I, I could try it. I could try. But there's it. some hot. There's some hot scenes. Okay. Okay. That and it's only six me. episodes because it's you know British. <laughs> okay. Okay. All these things are good. These things are good. I need some shows, especially because I couldn't handle more than one episode of The Last of Us. So mm. I, I just, I, I just can't handle anything too dark. I think or too sad. I just can't do it right now. Mm, then maybe skip by. <laughs> oh no, Dory! <laughs> no, oh really? Well, it's really good, but like, I, I don't want to give too much away. But like, ultimately, I wouldn't call it like a, okay. a like feel good uh-huh that's fair <laughs> serious okay i just gotta wait for bridgerton to come back or something yeah <sighs> oh, i'll well. I'll do some more thinking about this but Thank yeah it's you. a tough you know you know what you might enjoy are the richard osmond books the thursday murder club books they're 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 like 
there's mystery in that there's it, it, they are mysteries and there's like a little bit of violence but ultimately they're i would describe them as like cozy and somewhat gentle are people kissing hmm. <laughs> it's about old people <coughs> i don't mind if it's old people kissing there is, the romance there, of there all is, ages. There, there are romantic relationships in them. Okay. Okay. But probably okay. not in the way that you're picturing. Not like, not like a, everybody's getting busy kind of way. No, there's, I don't think there's any explicit boning. <laughs> <laughs> Who's written a mystery, a really great mystery with explicit boning, but there's a happy <laughs> ending for the couple. I realize this is Ooh. very specific, but that literally let's work might together. not exist. <laughs> Well, maybe I should write it. Maybe. Oh, man. All right. Well, well that we'll took get, us on we'll a figure journey. It out. I know. I didn't mean to go there, but I just, you know, uh, I would like to broaden my reading horizons. Like I, I do, I do have the like dream of kind of branching out, but then I just, you know, curl back up into my little shell and remember what I like. Hey, look, I get it. I mean, I've dipped my toe into romance. But like ultimately, it's not my preferred genre, and like right. that's okay. It is okay. Your heart sings for a mystery. It does. It really does. Well, we're fortunate to have an author on the show today whose book we both loved. That is a neither a romance book. nor a mystery. <laughs> yes, united in the nonfiction space. Um, we're actually welcoming our guest Chrissy King back for a second time. She's been on the podcast before, early on in pod history. Yeah. Isn't that exciting? It's very cool. Um, Chrissy is a writer, a speaker, a former strength coach, and an educator with a passion for creating a diverse and inclusive wellness industry. She empowers individuals to stop shrinking, start taking up space, and to use their energy to create their specific magic in the world. With degrees in social justice and sociology from Marquette University, Chrissy merges her passion for social justice with her passion for fitness to empower members of the wellness industry to create spaces that allow individuals from all backgrounds to feel seen, welcome, affirmed, and celebrated. Her new book is incredible. It's called The Body Liberation Project, How Understanding Racism and Diet Culture Helps Cultivate Joy and Build Collective Freedom. And it is out. Now, we had a really wonderful conversation that I think we both enjoyed immensely about mm-hmm. all sorts of diet culture stuff. Yeah. We get into it. We really do get into it. And uh, Chrissy is just so full of wisdom and is really thoughtful in her approach to this conversation. So we're very excited to share this chat with you. So why don't we take a break? Okay. And um, we'll come back with Chrissy. Sounds good. Kate, I feel like we are like barreling into summer. It's happening so fast. It is. And I feel like also with summer just come more social events. There's weddings. There's nights out. It's vacations. I mean, like all the things happening in summer. and. What I love is that Honey Love has just the right thing for all those events. Feel comfortable and confident this summer with Honey Love's best-selling Super Power Short. 
The superpower short smooth shapes and lifts, giving you a flawless silhouette under any outfit with targeted compression technology that distinguishes between areas where you want more support and areas you need less compression. It's designed to work with your body, not against it. Speaking of working with your bod, the crossover bra, which I'm wearing as we speak. I wear that my, thing every day. I do too. Uh, it's my favorite honey love piece. Let me let me just tell you why. Yeah, get okay, into it. Hey, do you want to tell me why? <laughs> no, no. I was just going to say like, I, I, I don't even need to wear it to events. I wear it like the event is every day of my life. That's such a good way of putting it. The bra gives all the support of traditional bras without using any underwires. And just like sidebar, I have put on some of my old underwire bras lately and been like, oh, God, like get this off of me. No, thank <laughs> once you. you. Once you start wearing Honey Love, you're just like, no, not yep. going back. You see also, how it could like, be. Yes. Also, like summer sweat under those underwires is like, ugh, the worst now you don't have to worry about it. Get the support you need with the comfort you deserve and treat yourself to the best bras and shapewear on the market. Save 20% off at honeylove.com slash forever. Use our exclusive link to get 20% off honeylove.com slash forever. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them and please support our show and tell them we sent you. The summer vibes are just getting started. So shape your life with Honey Love. You know, Dory, we talk to a lot of really fantastic intelligent people on this podcast. But I don't know, maybe you're like us and you want to go even deeper. Mm, I'd love to go deeper. We like to go deep. And that's not only possible with today's sponsor, but also easy to accomplish on Masterclass. Every year I get really into the classes offered and the instructors offering them. Like I'm all over the place with the things that I like on Masterclass. But this year, I am very interested in the class Redefining Feminism, which is 14 lessons from Gloria Steinem. Okay. Now, they dissect issues women face in the US and ways we can play a role in the feminist movement in our everyday lives. Look, I majored in women and gender studies in college. So, this is right up my alley. But even if you didn't, even if you're like, this is the first time I'm I hearing mean, those words. I would argue, especially if you didn't. Yes. Get into it with Masterclass because this is the year you can really learn from the best to become your best with Masterclass. Go from just talking about improving to actually doing the things you've been wanting to do with Masterclass. And it doesn't have to be Redefining feminism with Gloria Steinem. It can be gardening in your own garden or your yard or patio. It can be learning to cook Indian food or designing a space that you love. Masterclass offers over 180 world-class instructors. So whether you want to master like negotiation with Chris Voss or think like a boss with Martha Stewart or maybe capture your vision through photography with Petra Collins, Masterclass has you covered. With Masterclass, you get unlimited access to intimate one-on-one -on -one classes with the world's best. And right now, our listeners will get an additional 15% off an annual membership at masterclass.com slash F35. Get 15% off right now at masterclass.com slash F35. That's masterclass.com slash F35. You know, the weather's getting warmer. So I, for one, am ready to say 
goodbye to my jackets and my sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. I'm right there with you, Kate. And you know what I actually, actually, I donned double quince the other night. I've got to tell you. Okay. This is what's so great about quince because I feel like I have really been able to update my wardrobe like for the long haul without spending a fortune. I wore a gorgeous white tee, like a simple, perfect white cotton t-shirt from Mm. quince, but it was a little chilly out. So I threw on my cashmere hoodie, also from quince. Ooh, mm-hmm. okay. It, it, like they have basically given me a lineup of timeless pieces that I feel like keep me looking. I, I'm going to toot my own horn. Effortlessly chic, whether it's winter toot, or toot, Kate. or summer. They've got premium European linen dresses, blouses, and shorts from $30. You've got washable silk tops, really stunning 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. Like truly, the list goes on and on. And the best part is that Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. And they only work with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes, something that's very important to us. So look, If you're going on a trip, if you just need to update your summer wardrobe, get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash forever35 for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash forever35 to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash forever35. You know, one thing I think is really kind of interesting about skin, my skin, but all skin. Is that like what it needs now in my 40s is not what I needed in my 30s. Totally. Definitely not what I needed in my 20s. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But like, how are you supposed to know what your skin needs? It's hard. It's hard to know. Especially when there's just like so many products out there. The overwhelm is real. It's a struggle to even know how to get the results you want what products to start with. This is why we're super excited to partner with Apostrophe. Apostrophe is a prescription skincare company that offers science-backed medications that are clinically proven to help. I have used Apostrophe. I love it. They will pair you with a board-certified dermatologist who literally creates a personalized treatment plan for your skin. I have done this a few times now. It is so easy to do their online consultation. You upload photos. And like within a few weeks, I had done the consultation and received my treatment plan and my product. Amazing. And that is how I became a Tretinoin gal. I love the Tretinoin that they sent me. I love their sunscreen. Both products have been amazing on my skin. And you, Forever 35 listeners, can get a special deal from Apostrophe. You can get your first visit for only $5. That's at apostrophe.com slash forever35 when you use our code forever35. Now that is a savings of $15. I like that. This code is only available to Forever 35 listeners. So to get started, just go to apostrophe.com slash forever35 and click get started. And then use our code forever35 at sign up and you will get your first visit for only $5. 
Thank you, Apostrophe, for sponsoring this episode. Chrissy, welcome to Forever 35. And I should say welcome back because you have been on the show before and we're so thrilled to have you here, especially as we get to celebrate and talk about your new book, The Body Liberation Project, which is fantastic. Like, oh, thank ev- you for having me. Oh, sorry. No, I was just <laughs> saying, everybody better be like click in order even before the interview. <laughs> thank you for having me back on. I'm so excited to be back. So you may recall that we like to start every conversation off talking about a self-care practice that our guests have in their own lives. And and with the caveat that that looks like anything and can be anything, um, is there something that you do that's unique to your own life that you consider self-care for yourself? Uh, I think I do lots of things. I think it kind of varies depending on like the season of life. Um, right now, I've been very busy and busy and things have been very hectic. So the self-care practice I've been doing is just like literally taking breaks and going for like a 10 minute walk so that Mm. I just don't Mm. sit and like do all the things all day straight. So that's been really good for me. I did that today and just like made a point of feeling sunshine on my face. And it was so, I, I, I can't remember the last time I had like really been outside and paused, but are you in, you are still in New York city, correct? In Brooklyn? Yes, I'm in Brooklyn. Correct. Yes. And honestly, the weather has been super mild this winter. So I'm I'm from Wisconsin originally anyway, so I'm used to the cold. But yeah, I've been going out and just, like you said, getting some sun on my face, breathing. And it doesn't have to be long, but it helps a lot for me. Yeah, I feel like my quality of life changed for the better when I really started making an effort to get outside every day, which like in Los Angeles shouldn't be hard. But I think the combination of like the pandemic and having a small child and I just like there were days especially during like the height of lockdown where I would go multiple days without Mm, like going outside of my house and um yeah now I I really do make a conscious effort to to get outside so can I I feel that feel you on that can I ask kind of a follow-up question that is not it's not one that we prepared but it's just something I've been thinking about a lot the and I would love to get your point of view on this, Christy, is the the kind of value we place on movement. Like I find if um, if I just go for a walk around the block, in my brain, even though as we've talked about a lot extensively on this podcast, and hopefully we'll talk about with you, like I've really been working on my relationship to fitness, diet culture, all the things. But there still is, I think, uh, instinct that has been ingrained in me to be like, oh, a 10 minute walk, not good enough. I've got to still do dot, dot, dot. And the kind of levels of tiers of value we prescribe to different kinds of movement. Um, I, I, you write about this in your book, but I, I just wonder if like, do you, is that something you still grapple with at times? And is there anything that you've kind of implemented that help has helped you kind of refocus when, when those voices appear? Absolutely. I grappled with that for a really long time. I don't feel like I do anymore, but for a very long time, like when you're kind of like breaking up with diet culture and like it's so ingrained in us that we have to, a workout only counts if we like sweat a lot or if it was like a certain amount of time or if, you know, our body feels very tired. And so it's really hard to just uh, change our narrative about that and our mindset about that. And so one thing that really helped me as I was like breaking up with diet culture and trying to repair that relationship with exercise is like, this idea of like joy movement for joy and like what feels good. 
and and trying to listen to our bodies. And I do think that's a practice that takes a lot of time because again, we have this idea of like, oh, I didn't do enough or I'm just being lazy or whatever it is. And it's like a practice to come back to a place of self-trust that our bodies are really intuitive and that they that we can trust that if I feel like I just want to take a walk today, that is enough. And I don't have to like, you know, do all these things that are really intense if I'm not in the mood for it, if I don't have the time for it, if I just don't want to. Um, and that movement is movement and really movement brings so much to our lives. And I know for a lot of us, we've really only thought of movement for a long time in terms of like, how is it shifting my body and changing my body? But going to this practice of like, oh, movement is just good for my mental health and my well-being, my sleep and all of these things. So let me do what feels good today. And also when my body, like for me, for example, if I'm really stressed out and I'm like feeling exhausted, I don't think the thing that's going to help me feel better is to go really hammer my body more. Maybe it's like, oh, how can I be mindful? And maybe I want to do a light yoga or a walk or just stretch. And so I think it's just a practice that is hard for us to unlearn those things. But over time, we can get back to that place of like, what does my body actually desire today? I want to ask you about that because you said you said a phrase that I feel like we hear a lot, which is listening to our bodies. And it seems like this is a lot of what your book is about, learning how to trust ourselves kind of when we're listening to our bodies. Because I, I do feel like I've heard a lot of people say like, uh, you know, I... I listen to my body and it like, it's telling me, you know, they, they like don't trust what their body is telling them in a way. Um, and so I was hoping this would kind of be a segue into starting to talk about your really wonderful book. Um, but what would you suggest for people who kind of come to this idea of listening to their bodies with a great deal of fear or skepticism? Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's super hard, right? Because again, that's one of the things about diet culture is when we're really in, you know, ingrained in diet culture, we are always looking to someone else for the answers, right? Mm. Someone to tell us what to eat and what not to eat, what food mm-hmm. is good and what food is bad. What's the best exercise for fat loss? What's the best way, you know, should we be doing intermittent fasting or should we be doing keto? Should mm-hmm. we be strength training or should we be running, right? We're always looking for someone else to give us like the magic bullet, right? Yeah. To achieve the body of our dreams. And a lot of times we say it under the guise of, oh, I just want to be healthy. But usually it's like mm-hmm. at the core, it's like, okay, tell me how I can do the thing to look the way that I think I desire to look. And yeah. so when we've been doing that for so long, and even like for myself, I religiously counted macros for years, right? So when I was like, Oh, this is a problem. This is not coming from a healthy place. I have to stop doing that. Even that is really scary. Because Mm. you have been so dependent on like, I this is the formula, right to keep me looking the way I want to look. And if I let go of that formula, I don't know what's going to happen. And that does feel really scary sometimes, right? And so like, for example, when I stopped counting macros, well, for one, if you've been counting macros for five years, you kind of have a good idea of what you're eating anyways, you don't really need to like input everything. But slowly, I started thinking about what are the things that I really desire. And one thing that I never did was I never put coffee in my creamer because that was like unnecessary calories. And so when I stopped tracking, Mm. I was like, okay, well, I really did like having cream in my coffee, actually. It was really enjoyable. So I'm going to start doing that again. And then I started doing that. And I realized, okay, I'm fine. <laughs> Nothing bad has happened. Mm-hmm. And then slowly, I was able to like start incorporating and just really thinking about what do I really desire? Like, what do I really like to eat? Um, do I love brown rice? 
or was I not eating white rice because it was not as good for me, right? Mm. And so to start really thinking about the decisions I was making in terms of movement and food and slowly making those changes. And then also slowly acclimating that over time, my body was changing and also that was okay too. And so I think it's like, we have to really be patient with ourselves as we go through those things because Mm -hmm. it is really hard and it's really scary to make those changes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And it's on, it's ongoing, I I think is, and, and I think you give a lot of grace to the process in your, in your book, like that it's, it's from, for most of us, it's never going to be like, okay, one day we're done. Like it's done now. We're free. Uh, It's a continuous journey. Absolutely. I mean, and that's why I entitled the book, The Body Liberation Project, because it is an ongoing project. It's an ongoing journey in our lives, right? I know. And like one of the things that sometimes it seems a little short-sighted on like social media, we see like body positivity posts and it's like, oh, I love myself. And like, it's all great. And it gives us illusion perhaps that we, the people aren't still having bad body image days or that they look in the mirror every day and they like love everything. And then if you're mm-hmm. a person who's not there, you're like, Oh, I, I feel like even more of a failure because I can't do this thing. When mm-hmm. the reality is that we're seeing a snapshot of people's lives. And I don't truly believe that any of us ever get to a place where we never have negative thoughts about our bodies again. And, and if we set that as the expectation for ourselves, we're just really setting ourselves up for disappointment because that won't ever happen. But what will happen is that the more we we lean into this journey of embracing our bodies, it becomes easier to switch those moments when we're having those negative thoughts quicker. Um, And maybe they come less frequently, or we can rationalize, maybe I'm having this thought, but I also know that it's not productive, it's not true, it's not all of these things. And so um, it is a journey and we always have to be working on it. And I think that our relationship with our bodies is so important because we exist in these vessels for the duration of our lives. And so how can we um, really nourish a healthy relationship with ourselves throughout all of the different iterations our bodies will go through uh, is the key to really leaning into liberation. I think you call them shells in the book. Is that right? Yes. Yes. I I sometimes say shells or vessels. It's really just a shell that's allowing us to have this human experience. And we put, and it's not our fault, right? But like society has really ingrained in us that we should put so much value into what the shell looks like. And it's like, Mm -hmm. wow, truly, this is just the vessel. It's the keeper of our magic, right? It's Mm -hmm. letting us have this beautiful experience in the world. Can you talk a little bit about your own and I know you touch on this in the book, but kind of for the benefit of our listeners, could you talk a little bit about your own personal journey to body liberation? Because, you know, as you alluded to a few minutes ago, you went through periods of counting macros, you you know, and you talk about this in even more detail in the book. But um, yeah, I'd love to just kind of hear, hear it in your words. Yeah, absolutely. So I came to fitness and exercise, I think, the same way as a lot of people. I wanted to lose weight. It was just that simple. You know, I had been yo-yo dieting since I was like 17 years old. Mm. And so I was, I think I was tired of yo-yo dieting and I was like, okay, I'm going to join the gym and I'm going to get serious about, you know, weight loss once and for all. Right. And so that's what kind of got me into the gym at the beginning um, and working with a trainer and through that ended up getting really strong and powerlifting, which was awesome. I love that part of my journey. It was really, really cool. And I started, I think powerlifting was a thing that started to help me have that shift a little bit Mm -hmm. because I was like, oh, my body is so capable. I can do all these things I never thought I imagined I could do. That's really badass. I really enjoyed lifting weights and getting and lifting heavy weights. And like I was competing and deadlifting hundreds of pounds. I was like, it's awesome. 
And at the same time, though, I was still like hyper focused on keeping my body small. And so, mm-hmm. you know, from the course of like joining the gym with a personal trainer to getting to powerlifting, I definitely had what people will call the, you know, weight loss transformation, so to speak. Um, and so when I was like powerlifting, I was in this, I was definitely the strongest I'd ever been in life. I was in the leanest of body I had been as an adult. And so on the outside, people were always like, I was getting all the external validation, right? Um, but I had the worst relationship with body image I've ever had, even though I was a small, mm-hmm. even though I was a small side then. I had the worst relationship with food. I had the worst relationship with exercise. Um, and it was honestly miserable. And I talk about my rock bottom moment being, um, a time like I went away for the weekend with a family and going anywhere, like even social outings with friends brought me anxiety because that meant that maybe I couldn't control everything that I ate and drank. And so it was just, it was stressful always like going to dinner, going to parties, going anywhere. And so this particular time I had to go away for the whole weekend, I was like, Oh great, this is going to mess up everything. So to try to prevent that as much as possible, I like packed as much food as I could for the weekend. And so we were like uh, hanging out at a water park with my in-laws at the time. Everyone's having a great time. And then it comes to lunchtime and I go to the car and I pull out this meal that had been sitting in the cooler all day. It was so sad and so just pathetic. And I sat in the car to eat my food. And then my partner's family was like, why isn't she coming in? And he's like, oh, she's just trying to be healthy. So she brought her own food. And they were very generous about it. So they asked the restaurant if I could bring my meal in. And I did. And I just remember sitting at that table and like, I had already eaten this little, it was like a sad little wrap. Like it was very small. It was over and everybody was ordering their food and eating. And like, I just was like, this food smells so good. Everyone's enjoying their meals. And Mm -hmm. I'm just sitting here feeling really miserable in this moment. And also at the same time, I'm like, it was at a water park. And so I was wearing a swimsuit and people kept like asking me about my workout, like strangers asking me about my workout Mm -hmm. routine and what I do. And I just like, well, I'm so miserable right now. Right. Like I'm getting all the things that I thought I would feel happy about in the smaller body. And, and yet I'm so stressed about keeping this body small and even making it smaller. I am so miserable. And that was like what I call my rock bottom moment when I was like, oh, I really have to do something because I'm going to spend the rest of my life feeling like this. And I'm going to spend the rest of my life not enjoying life because I'm so worried about what I look like. That was so relatable. Just, yeah, just the, and, and I loved what you also wrote. Um, it, when you said diet culture has in many ways robbed us of the experience of food and yeah. and then yeah. your point is about diet culture has been claiming our time yeah. i was like yes <laughs> yes that's that's exactly it um so i it was just it was very profound to kind of to read that um and it reminded me of an article I read recently where I think it was in the cut where a woman on Ozempic was like excited about the fact that she doesn't want to eat anymore. Yeah. (laughs) I read that article too last week and honestly, it was really heartbreaking for me to read that article. um, Because food like the experience of food right is like that's what makes us human right yeah yeah. and that's what makes us who we are and so that article and then the cut also did a separate article last week just talking about the experience of a lot of people 
on Ozempic. And one thing that kept coming up in that article too is people was like, people were like, oh, I don't even think about food anymore. Like, this is great. And I'm like, no, no, we're not robots. So we're humans, right? right? And we're supposed right. to eat. That is supposed to be part of our experience. And, and food is not like diet culture and toxic fitness culture has the saying like, food is fuel, right? And like, yes, at the most basic level, of course it is. It's what keeps us alive. But food is so much more than that. Mm -hmm. Food is experiences. It's like how we share a love with one another. It's like cultural, right? And it's comforting. And it's supposed to be pleasurable. And and like diet culture somehow is told us like, this is a bad thing. And this idea that like, I can take this pill and now I don't even want to eat. And it's like, it, that is life. That's part of our humanity. That's part of the experience of this world. And I tell a story in the book about like how I knew I'd really like evolved my relationship with my body. And it was like this time I was on a trip in Spain with a, like some amazing girlfriends. And I was just sitting there and I'm like eating paella and I'm eating all these pastries and I'm drinking all this amazing wine. And that is like, that's life. That's, that's living. Yes. And it was so beautiful to be present and to like enjoy it and not to be worried about like, am I going to gain weight? And so it makes me really sad. Um, and you know, I've been reading the articles in the cut. I've been watching a lot of things on TikTok. I saw a TikTok this morning where this woman was talking about, um, she's so like, her relationship with the body is so negative right now that she literally doesn't mm. want to do anything social. She doesn't want to leave the house. Mm. She doesn't want to go with friends because she feels so bad about the way her body looks. And when I read that and see these, you know, and then in the comments, like there's so many people that are like, yes, I feel the same way. And I was like, this is why I want people to read this book because mm. it yeah. is, it truly is heartbreaking. And I've been in that place before. I like, I know what that feels like, but it's also so heartbreaking to see people missing out on the experience of life because of the obsession with looks because when we really at like at the root of it all life is so short their time is so fleeting and none of us are promised anything and it's like what a what like what a tragedy to spend the best years and moments of our lives obsessed and focused on on the way our body looks instead of experiencing life Mm-hmm. And then I also think about, you know, I tragically lost my father in early 2019 and like things happen in life that you don't expect. Yeah. And at the end of our lives, at our funerals, the thing that people are not talking, are not going to be talking about is what we look like and, you know, what our bodies look like. It's about the memories and the experiences that we shared and the love that we shared for one another. And I just want us to like realize how truly magical the gift of life is and that when we are spending all this energy obsessing about how we look, we're missing out on so much of that magic. Yeah, this is this goes back a few years, but I think you had shared that sentiment on a social media post because I had kind of been I had kind of been at a place in my journey where I was like, I was really using the food as fuel mantra. And Mm -hmm. it it was I I I, want to credit, I think it was you who kind of opened my eyes on this of just like food is community. It's a connection to our past. It's to our, it's pleasure. I had not, I hadn't allowed myself to give it that weight yet. And that was such a revelation for me. Um, and and has really been magical and just like learning more about who I am as a person. Um, and it's been so, so powerful. So I just, I appreciate you sharing that because I think, you know, this idea I mean, a lot of the conversations that are in the news right now about weight loss and weight loss drugs and celebrities, like it is, it is really tricky navigating this conversation. Like whether I find, I mean, for me, it's very triggering, but also like it's very tempting, you know, and, and I think you make a really good point that we're always kind of on this project of body liberation. 
But as these kind of conversations come up more, especially right now, it's about, you know, diet, drugs and weight loss. But how do you suggest people stay? Not, I want to say stay on the right path because that sounds really judgmental, but stay true to, to what, how they are trying to navigate this for them themselves because the pull of it is strong and terrifying. Yes. I've been having this conversation a lot recently because I, I really felt like 2020, 2021, it really felt like the narrative was changing around bodies. Body positivity movement was becoming more mainstream, which had the pros and its cons. But all in all, I think we were having more um, positive and powerful conversations about bodies, about inclusivity, about all these things that are really important in helping to shift our narratives. And then I feel like in... 20 late 2022 and into now it's just like a, it feels like we're being inundated with more diet culture talk than ever before and i think uh twofold right i think number one that's the thing about diet culture that's really sneaky and insidious is that it mm. it operates on intentionally meaning like the diet industry is over 72 billion dollars now i don't even know what the current number is right and so it's really intentional to make us feel bad about ourselves or make us feel like we need to fix ourselves because if we didn't feel that way, we wouldn't keep buying things, right? And and the industry wouldn't keep profiting from our insecurities. So I feel like, and I, this is just me hypothesizing, but I feel like when we started to feel like we were making this like collective progress, I felt like the diet industry went to overdrive to be like, no, 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 you're not okay, actually. Mm. Like you do need to change that. Um, because again, it, it, it really thrives off of us feeling like there's this new thing that is going to help us. And right. also, you know... I talked recently on social media about the New York Post article saying that heroin chic is back in, right? Mm. And so it's like when you keep moving the marker on what's the in body, before we were in the age of the BBLs, now we're in the age of the thin body. And when you keep moving the marker, people keep trying to adjust to that, right? And so it is really, really hard to navigate that. And one of the things I really try to express into the uh, to to in the book is that it requires that we carry our, or we um, handle ourselves with so much compassion and gentleness and kindness, no matter how we wake up feeling, because it is really hard to exist in the world where you're getting inundated with messages every single day that you do need to change something about yourself or you're seeing Ozempic and you're seeing celebrities and you're seeing them drop the weight and you're reading articles saying, I don't even think about food anymore. And you're like, that sounds amazing. I need to do that too. And so it's hard to navigate that. And I think the one thing that I always remind myself of is that I can look back at pictures when I was leaner and whatever, smaller, but then I also have to remember how I really felt when I was in that. Mm. I wasn't happy. I felt the worst. I felt the most miserable I've ever felt. And so reminding myself of what I had to do to get there and to stay there and that I don't personally want to go back to that place. And then I think it's also so important that we also recognize that, you know, you know, diet culture has taught us that we are all supposed to be thin and that there's like mm. a moral value attached to that. But the reality is that all of us were created differently for a reason, meaning like some of us are short, some of us are tall, blue eyes, blonde hair, brown hair, black, whatever. We all look different for because of genetics. And that's how we were designed to do. And bodies are no different, even though diet culture has told us we're all supposed to be thin. That's just not the truth. And even if we all ate the same, and worked out the same, our bodies would still look differently. And I know that's like a hard pill to swallow if you don't find yourself in a body that you maybe feel like is the one you want to be in. Um, but that's the reality and that we could keep, you know, 
beating our bodies into submission, but we are going to be struggling with that for a really long time. Um, and then, of course, I think when we're talking about social media, doing our best to try to um, curate a feed that feels aligned with our values. Mm-hmm. And I will say that TikTok is the wild, wild west. I feel like there's not really a good way to, to you know, do that on TikTok. On Instagram, we have a little bit more control, I feel like. But being mindful of how much we're consuming there too. You know, if I feel like mm-hmm. I'm starting to feel bad, I'm like, I need to take a break from all the things because this is really having an impact on me and treating, you know, my own mental health as the priority. And then again, just continually working on that relationship with myself is something that I have to remind myself of every day. Okay, well, let's take a quick break and we'll be right back. You know, we have been delving more and more into the topic of our skin as we get older and how we treat it and how we love it. Because look, as I'm learning in my mid-40s, as you get older, you deal with new things when it comes to your skin. Not that they're bad. They're just new. You know what I mean? Like I am now just discovering creppiness, Dory. Mm. Okay. Which is okay. I visible know. on my <sighs> neck and chest. Luckily, it's a thing. It's a thing. Luckily, One Skin, our sponsor today, knows all about things like creppiness. And I'm not overly concerned with aesthetics, but like I do just want to keep my skin healthy as I age. Totally. I love their topical supplements. They really help your skin feel. I don't want to say younger, but just vibrant, Mm. refreshed. They combine tissue engineering, data analysis, and cutting-edge longevity science to literally create the world's most effective product to help with skin aging. I am particularly fond of their face topical supplement. It's essentially a moisturizer, but it has their Mm -hmm. proprietary OSO1 peptide to really help with all the parts of our skin that are exposed to environmental damage. You can use it on your face, your hands, your neck. I know here Mm -hmm. where we live in Los Angeles, our hands, we're driving, that sun is coming at us at all times. One Skin believes the purpose of skincare is not just to improve how we look, but to optimize our skin biology so that it is more resilient to the aging process. They really create next level skincare. One Skin is the world's first skin longevity company. By focusing on the cellular aspects of aging, One Skin keeps your skin looking and more importantly, acting younger for longer. Get started today with 15% off using code OVER50 at oneskin.co. That's 15% off oneskin.co with code OVER50. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them and please support our show and tell them we sent you. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. All right, we are back. I wanted to also touch on um, 
the subtitle of your book, The Body Liberation Project, is Understanding the Intersection of White Supremacy and Diet Culture, Creating Collective Freedom and Cultivating Joy. Um, and I did want to touch on the white supremacy aspect of um, your book because it is such an important through line um, in what you talk about. Um, I realize it's it. I'm not going to ask you to kind of summarize <laughs> that because it's so much of the entire book and I want people to kind of read it for themselves. Um, but could we just kind of briefly talk about how the contemporary body positivity movement, I guess, especially on social media is rooted in white supremacy. Um, and how should people be aware of that as they are on social media? Absolutely. So I go into detail in the book about the inception of like fat phobia and uh, white supremacy going all the way back to slavery. Um, I, I credit all of that work to Dr. Sabrina Springs, who has an amazing book called Fearing the Black Body. But essentially, during the time of slavery and wanting this, desi this desire to create a, a racial hierarchy and also justify slavery, right? Um, because if we look back in history prior to slavery, there are lots of times when being in a larger body wasn't considered a bad thing, right? It was mm -hmm. considered a symbol of wealth or, and it meant that you had, you were prosperous. And then there became all of a sudden we're like, oh no, bad, big bodies are not good bodies. Mm -hmm. And that is during the period of slavery. And so, you know, when you're trying to justify enslaving people and you wanting to create this hierarchy of which bodies are, uh, more valuable and worthy of respect, um, enslaved people happened to be in larger bodies. They were also like muscular from working in the fields all the time and all the time. And so that's when blackness became associated with, uh, gluttony, laziness, um, stupid, stupidity, all of these things. And so this desire of wanting to be anything but that evolved. And so one of those ways is like, Oh, I'm going to be, I want my body to be as different from that type of body as a black bodies as possible. And so that's really where this idea of diet culture was obviously named that, but this idea of thin bodies being the, the body that you want to be in originated from. And unfortunately, we have never deviated from that. Um, and so when we're thinking about also the importance of dismantling white supremacy, one of the things I always talk about is white supremacy affects all of us. Even if we are black, white, brown, whatever color we are, it affects some of us more than others. But we are all dealing with white supremacy. It's all having a negative impact on us. And then moving into the body positivity movement, the body positivity movement was founded by fat black and brown women because they didn't see themselves as represented and celebrated within mainstream culture. And so that's who the movement was started for. And so when we're talking about how it's been co-opted in a lot of ways whitewashed, it's because now if we look at mainstream body positivity, we see the face of mainstream body positivity being a lot of thinner, mid-sized, even cisgender, able-bodied white women, right? And I like to always really be clear about this. And I do do that in the book, but I want to be clear to everyone listening. That's not to say that everyone cannot benefit and partake in the body positivity community. Of course they can. Right. But I think that one thing that gets a little bit conflated is that there's a real difference from saying, I don't like the stretch marks I have, or I don't have, I don't like the cellulite on my thighs. That's a, that's a personal body image issue, which all of us struggle with, but that's a very big difference from living in a body that's systemically oppressed. And I think that's the thing that people conflate sometimes. And so we have to be really clear on the fact that we're having different experiences, although we might be all struggling with our bodies. And so I think, you know, when thinking about the, the movement, I think it's just important to make sure 
I always say for, you know, I don't even really call the work I do body positivity, but I, one of the things I talk about the body positivity space is that when it was created, the basis of it was social justice. And so when we're thinking about the body positivity movement, if we are not working to elevate the most marginalized voices, we aren't really doing the work of body positivity. It's not about just self-love and taking pictures in your swimsuits and saying hashtag body positivity. It's really about how are we working to create a dismantling systems and elevating the most marginalized voices so that all of us can feel safe and respected and seen and valued in the bodies that we exist in. Yeah, you. this is something, a conversation we had, we've been having and had in a recent episode about um, lip plumpers, but you mm, talk about mm-hmm. the commodification of black bodies. And I think that conversation, especially for us as white women, is really important to engage in, in the ways in which we can dip in and out of things that are, quote, trends for white folks, but are not for black people, people of color, just based on how our bodies are. And that, that has been, that has been, I think, I mean, you talk a lot about this and that's been really helpful and just kind of rereading your book, but also in thinking about the ways in which this conversation about thinness is taking kind of taking over again, like who can, who, who is this really about and for, and who's participating? Uh, and that has been, I mean, I'm just, I'm just like really learning and unlearning, but it's been really, uh, I don't know, eye opening. I mean, and that that's one of the things I, I did refer to when I talked about, on social media about the New York Post, uh, New York Post article, because again, the popularization of the BBL, right, is like mm-hmm. oftentimes credited to like the Kardashians, right? When really we're talking about bodies that black and brown women have just always had. Yes. And we're often, and the same thing with like lips, right? Often ostracized for. And it wasn't until like it was popularized on non-black bodies that now it's like, oh, yes, this is the body, right? And so what's so insidious about that post for me also is that it's like, oh, because the title was like BBLs are out, heroin chic is back in or something to that effect, right? And again, it's this idea that you can try on these bodies and discard them when they're no longer desirable. And then, and that also the beauty standard evolves around, oh, now the thin body is back in. So I'm like, okay, but what about all the people with these naturally occurring bodies that just exist? Like that body is out now. And so it's really this idea of like really understanding how racism interacts with all all the beauty standards, the diet industry, all of these things, and how it's so easy to commodify a body and then decide it's no longer in, it's no longer the body to have, and then just discard it and go back to whatever body you want to have now. Um, And people's bodies, their body sizes, their shapes are not costumes to try on. Um, And so, yeah, these are all the things that I think, you know, just to interrogate when we see these type of things, because it's having an impact on all of us, again, some of us more than others, but we're all internalizing these messages. Do you, one thing I have, I have been thinking about my body and relationship to my body for a long time, but I am now kind of thinking about how to apply those philosophies to my face and aging. Mm -hmm. Is that something you've thought about? At all, like it is, I know that there's obviously a massive correlation, but I feel like I've done a lot of work from the neck down with my relationship to that part of my body, but not from the neck up. And now I'm kind of staring at myself, being like, "You got to fucking, you got to deal, you got to deal with this." Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, I I feel like I'm starting to get to that point where I'm like starting to think about that a little bit more. I'm 37, and um, 
I've like noticed last week, I'm like, oh, I noticed like these fine lines that look like they're starting to appear that I didn't see before. Um, and I think, you know, I, I feel like when I really start to like dig into that more, I, I think I'm going to apply a lot of the same principles that I use for your body because your face is part of your body and aging is a normal part. You know, I talk a lot about bodies change, like our face is a part of our body, right? And it's also designed to change. Um, and again, I think living in a society that's hyper-focused, especially on the way that women look, I feel like women feel more pressure uh, to deal with the appearance of aging. Um, and there's a lot of pre- a lot of pressure. And I even was like, you like, there's a lot of pressure and it's also just like been so normalized, right? Yeah. Like, Oh, of course you should be using an anti-aging cream. Of course you should be using a retinol. Like, of course, and I'm not demonizing any of those things, by the way, but I'm saying those are things that I'm like, Oh yeah, I need to spend some time interrogating those things too. And another thing I'm also pretty clear on in the book is that, uh, you know, I want us all to move towards liberation, but I at whole, like I totally believe in body autonomy and that we mm. all make the decisions that feel the best for us. And so you know, regardless, regardless if it's about your face, about your body, like I never judge people for their decisions on what they make. I just say that we should think about them compassionately and question them. Um, because one of the things I talk about in the book too, is that for a lot of us, especially those of us with more marginalized identities, when we feel like we have no access to power or privilege in the society, especially on Eurocentric standards of beauty, like maybe weight loss is a thing that you feel like is going to give you more privilege in the world. And there are real benefits. Privilege is a real thing, right? And weight discrimination is a real thing. And so I'm always like, no matter what you're feeling, I think that we have to just treat ourselves compassionately because it's really, it's really difficult to navigate living in this world and knowing the truth and also knowing the realities of like living in a body that doesn't meet those standards. Yeah. Okay. So as we're all doing this kind of learning and unlearning, it's possible that the people around us are not on the same journey. Yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I loved what you had to say about boundaries. And I was hoping we could talk a little bit about that. Um, in our kind of last few minutes, but how do we set those boundaries with regards to diet culture with our friends and family? Yes. And I like a hundred percent. It's like diet culture is so ingrained in all of us. You will absolutely find yourself in situations where people are, are not on the same journey as you yet. Right. So I think for me, you know, I do talk, I, I, I devoted a lot of our chapter of the book to boundaries because I think it's so important. And so I think, Twofold. Number one, I always, again, am reminding myself of where I used to be in my own relationship mm. with diet culture and body mm. image, right? So just because I have evolved in this journey, I cannot expect that everyone's at the same place. So that's yeah. number one. But that doesn't mean that, you know, I, I can't set boundaries, right? right. And so I think I talk about family. Let's start there. Um, family is tricky, right? Depending on the dynamics of your family, cultural values, right? There's no one way or one, you know, size fits all approach to setting boundaries with family. Um, but I do think that what is always really helpful is just speaking openly and, and vulnerably with your family. This is what I'm working on. And these are the things I'm trying yeah. to achieve. And I really would love your support in this, right? Mm. So they know like, this is this matters to me, it's important to me. And this is something that I'm working through. Now that being said, that doesn't mean that everyone's always going to still be aligned, right? And so I think it's having those conversations. And then number two, sometimes we also have to realize that 
maybe there's certain people that no family members I'm talking about that no matter how much we tell them, they're never, maybe they're just not going to be aligned or they're not going to remember or they're not just going to support us in the way that we need to. So I think when it comes mm-hmm. to that, we also have to decide how much time do I want to spend around this person? That doesn't mean I'm saying right off some of the members of your family, but right. maybe I'm only going to spend a couple of hours or I'm only going to visit them, you know, every so often because I know it's really hard on me personally when I'm in those yes. environments. Um, and I think too, another thing that's really, um, can sometimes just like ease the tension around this conversation is perhaps someone's like, you know, saying something that like, you like, Oh, you're really going to have another plate. And you're like, yes, I really am. Is there something wrong with that? Like browsing mm. the question back to people sometimes can help people realize maybe I sound like I'm being an asshole right now. And so just that can be really helpful. Um, and I think when it comes to friends, like for me, my friends are my chosen family. And I, I live in a different city for my media family. So the people that I'm spending the most time with are my friends. And so when it comes to my friends, I'm really, I'm like, this is, I don't do diet culture talk. Like that's just it. Mm, Um, and, and it's not that people will never have a slip up, but I know that we're going to, and our friend circle in our group, we're going to say, Hey, remember, we're not doing diet culture talk because we want to support each other in that, in that, um, journey. Mm. And and having people around you that can support you really does make all the difference. And so again, those can be hard conversations. And then I think with friendships too, you know, there's some people that are your, you see and talk to every day. And then there's some people you talk to and see like quarterly. And so making some of those decisions about who you want to surround yourself with, and then sometimes working to align and meet new people who are more aligned with your values is also a part of of that process. And I think boundaries are a tricky conversation to have. And we look at them as like, they're really harsh, but my therapist gave me some advice really recently that was really helpful and that we're setting boundaries because we love this person. Right. And we want to be able to continue a relationship that's filled with love. And these are the things that will allow that to happen. Mm -hmm. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Mm. (sighs) Oh boy. Well, this is so great. Chrissy, it, it's been really, really great to talk to you. Um, you know, we both really loved your book and love the work that you do. And I hope our listeners will buy your book and really absorb everything that you're talking about. I mean, we didn't even touch on all of the kind of practical stuff that you have in the book to help people on their journeys, which, you know, as I read a lot of those questions that you have at the end of each chapter, I was like, oh. Oh, I know. No. I was doing that too. Uh-huh. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Same experience. That's a good thing for me to think about. Um, so, you know, I think people will will really get a lot out of your book. So thank you so much for writing it. Um, where can our listeners who might not follow you right now, where can they find you if they want to follow your work? Yeah. Well, first of all, thank you for having me. Thank you for the kind things you said about the book. I really appreciate that. Thank you for taking the time to read it. Um, but listeners can find me on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter at I am Chrissy King. My website is ChrissyKing.com and I do a newsletter so you can subscribe to my newsletter. Um, and then the book is available anywhere books are sold. Yeah, and it's out now. Thanks so I mean, much again now, for now. coming back on the show. <laughs> Thank you for having me. It was such a wonderful conversation. I really feel like this is one of those books that everyone should read. I do too. Like, please get, please, please get this book. Including like my mom. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, 
I just think there's like so much that people can take away from this book. And so much to unpack. Yes. In our own experiences. Whew. Like I said, I really, I have been really looking at the way in which I look at my face and it's been very, mm. uh, it's made me feel very uneasy. Oh, interesting. Like I don't, I'm, I am definitely struggling with, with my like facial appearance, but I'm also wanting mm. to push back on my desire to change it. Yeah. And I'm just like, I'm kind of sitting at the like, the point where those two things meet and I'm just kind of like, huh? All right. Mm-hmm. This is hard. Mm-hmm. Smears mm-hmm. some retinol all over her cheeks. <sighs> yeah. You know, I think one thing that we talked a little bit about in the conversation and that she does also really emphasize in the book is that like, this all really is an ongoing process. Yeah. Yeah. This is not a like, well, I solved it. No. Let's move on. <laughs> Especially as things change one as we change throughout yes. life. But also like as the world around us changes in ways that we cannot predict. Like we have no idea what's, you know, gonna come out in a year. What's like so it's just totally it's it's challenging to navigate. But yeah, I agree. I think this book was just so insightful and helpful in in just considering all these things as we exist in the world. Mm. Well, I think last week my intention had been to figure out some body movement again. And then I got a cold and I haven't, I've purposefully just been kind of going for some short walks with the dogs and not really doing anything. And actually that's felt great because I good just getting outside has been so nice. I, I think I actually mentioned that in our conversation with Chrissy, like just getting some sunshine on my face has been great. Yeah. Um, and I'm just kind of like, Oh yeah, I'll keep, keep kind of just following what feels good and see how that goes. So, <coughs> excuse me. I had the same, I copied you last oh. week mm-hmm. because okay. I was coming out of sickness mm-hmm. and I was like, okay, this is, you know, give me my week to kind of get back into things. And, I went to my strength class on Tuesday and then Thursday I woke up and I was like, Oh, I feel, I don't feel good again. Yeah. Like I was really tired. I was coughing. Like I, Oh, I had a really sore throat again that I think was brought on by a coughing fit when I went Mm. to um, the orchestra on Tuesday night. (laughs) Um, Mm. And I was like, this is annoying. Like I'm, I am sick again. Um, but then I was fine the next day and I played tennis on Friday, which was really fun actually. And it felt good to like be playing tennis again. Um, so yeah, so I'm, I'm kind of figuring this out too, but I think, I'm I'm I am really like on the tail end of the sickness. Like I have the I still have the occasional cough, especially when I've been talking a lot. Yeah. But I'm mostly knock on wood better. Um so I am kind of like getting back out there in a way that like does feel good. Like I I especially tennis. Like I I really enjoy it. I like being outside. Um it's really fun. So 
that's been that's been fun. And that's something that we talked about with Chrissy too. And we've talked about this with other guests also, but just like finding the joy mm-hmm. in well, in everything, but like in moving your body is such a different way of thinking about things than the sort of like punishing way that I used to think about them. Oh, you know? Don't I, don't I know it? Don't I know the punishing way? <laughs> yeah, sorry. That sounds so so negative, but like, yeah, I just, I, I totally get that. And it's, it's a, a constant kind of like revisiting my yeah. relationship to, yeah. ex- to fitness and exercise. Yeah. Mm. Um, and this week, Kate, it's not really an intention per se, but <coughs> <coughs> excuse me, let's take that again. Um, this week, Kate, it's not really an intention per se, but I have a mammogram. I have my yes, annual mammogram. I love it. Um, so I just like to bring that up, you know, let people know. Yes. Squeeze those boobs. Get them in there. Photos. Oh, yeah. Um, I love that for you, Dory. I love that Thank for all you. of us. Screening is VIP. Very important. Yes. Um, yes. You know, my intention for this week is just to keep caring for myself with this cold, which means drinking a lot of warm water. Mm. And not pushing it, going to bed really early and getting like 10 hours of sleep. Yes, not pushing it, not Not pushing pushing it. it. Well, Dory, thank you for this wonderful conversation. Thank you, folks, for listening. Friendly reminder, Forever 35 is hosted and produced by Dory Shafrier and Kate Spencer. It's produced and edited by Sam Junio. Sammy Reed is our project manager and our network partner is Acast. Bye, everybody. Bye.